Welcome to the Michael Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Minute 23, Lori, Annie, and Linda are still walking home from school. A mysterious car has just driven past them, then stopped after Annie yelled at the driver. We are on Highland Avenue in Pasadena, and we have a guest. Scott Crelly of Dueling Genre is back. Welcome back, Scott. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Now, I want to start with a quote from the novelization, actually. Because, well, you'll see. It says, all of a sudden, the car screeched to a halt. The figure sat there, waiting. The girls stood on the sidewalk, sidewalk hesitantly. Usually, they'd pile into a passing car that stopped for them, even if they only remotely knew the guy. But there was something unsettling about this situation. <laughs> Mm. I love that they says they'd just get in a car with whoever came by. Well, I I mean that's that's what it was like back then. I mean yeah, again, sort of going back to like what we were talking about yesterday with the sort of um, the true crime angle on this. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's how so many young women and and young men were murdered ruthlessly is because they would get in the car with a stranger, you know, <laughs> um, and, and would get, uh, would get killed. And so I, I actually, yeah, I like that a lot. I like that little excerpt. I mean, you can't, there's not a really good way of playing that in the film, uh, yeah. but I'm glad that it's in the novelization. That's really smart. It's like last minute. They think it's Devon Graham, presumably someone they sort of know. So it's like, maybe it's there. But yeah, right. the novel makes it clear they usually might get in a car like this. Right. So I've got a I've got a question for you. Yeah. Um, do you think Michael chose them before or after Annie yells at him? I think he chose Lori already. Because he saw her this morning. She was on his porch. Oh right. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And the same reason, like, he saw Tommy then, too. So he followed Tommy and then, for whatever reason, stopped following Tommy and went to Lori. If you don't know, I mean, Lori, I think, has a little more screen time. But if you don't know that he's going for Lori, like, you haven't seen the movie ever before, he does follow Annie more later. Right. And he gets, when they get to the houses in Hollywood and they're, where they're babysitting, he goes after Annie first he watches her go inside he doesn't really watch Lori that's true well you know it's interesting is that um, you know the thing with serial killers you know is that especially if you look at um, I mean you could look at uh, oh what's the what's the really charming guy um, the uh, the the one that uh, they're Don't about to the nurses with. Um, no 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 the one that uh, the one that um, Ted Bundy. Okay. So you look at Ted Bundy, right? And uh, Ted Bundy, he had an ex-girlfriend who sort of embarrassed him and broke up with him and said he was a loser and that he wasn't going to amount to anything and et cetera, et cetera. And then when he started killing women, he killed women who looked just like her. Yeah. Um, and that was, that's a thing, right? And that's, that's sort of a thing with serial killers is they tend to, there's, there's, they have a type and it's usually for some reason or another. And if you think about what made him choose Lori, 
Lori has a young child with her uh, that she is sort of watching over as they go to his house, pass by his house. And it's sort of like, it's sort of, it's as if the boy reminds him of himself and she reminds him of his sister, right, of Judith. And so it's ringing those bells, uh, those same bells from, from that night in the 60s. And then when you look at her friends, um, you have uh, uh, PJ Souls. She, you know, sort of gets laid like his sister did. Yeah. Um, and and Nancy kind of has a mouth like his sister did. Yeah. Uh, you know, she she likes to talk back and, and good for her. She's great. She's a great character. Um, but that all of these things, these three young women together, they sort of form his sister in like a weird, you know, Megatron, Voltron sort of way. <laughs> I saw a photo yesterday where for a second I thought it was um, John Carpenter sitting with PJ Souls, Linda. But she looked kind of off. And then I realized it was a picture of Sandy Johnson who plays Judith Myers. Uh huh. Because people usually say, like, Lori reminds him of his sister. And yeah, she was with the little boy and everything. But in this photo, Sandy Johnson looked like PJ Souls. And so oh, Linda yeah. actually kind of looks like his sister as well. Yeah. Yeah, for and sure. So yeah, he's this is three for the price of one kind of thing. He was right. following Lori and now he's got more. Well, yeah, and I think that the only reason that Lori ends up getting away in the end is because she was a good babysitter, unlike yeah. his sister. Unlike his sister, right. Right. Now, IMDb has a goof here that I have yet to find, and I've been looking at this way too slowly where some white cloth comes into the edge of the screen and they just never cut it out. I don't know what that cloth would be and I haven't seen it. So I'm going to say no. Yeah. I feel like maybe somebody got a white cloth in front of their TV screen and thought yeah. it was the movie. <laughs> so um, maybe some of your yeah, that uh, pixels or whatever were going away. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. So is, is uh, Michael presumably like, how does he know where they're headed? Is he guessing? Or is he is he sort of he back knows, following them or what? It's actually kind of weird because he follows them driving later. But he shouldn't know where Lori lives. He saw her at the Myers house. He knows where she's going to be later. Or he knows she and Tommy will be in the same place later. He doesn't know where it is, I guess. Right. I don't know. In um, This hasn't come up yet, but there's one of the scenes they added for TV in between now and when they drive to the babysitting jobs, he also follows Linda around for a little bit. Oh, she, you don't see him do it, but she says someone followed her over to Lori's house because she comes over to borrow a blouse. And so it adds to this element of he's following all three of them. You know, he's just kind of wandering around the neighborhood until he sees that like Annie and Lori driving away later. Right. So, or he just hmm. knows because you know supernatural, and he knows everything that he needs to know. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's he's uh, death incarnate. Um, yeah, it's fine. Death knows where you are. Right, just like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> and then Laurie has the line that basically, you could argue, is why everything happens later. 
Uh, you know, Annie, someday you're going to get us all, all of us in deep trouble. Right. Yeah, that's why that's why I had that initial question, because I was yeah. like, is this all her fault? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's not. <laughs> it is Lori's fault because outside of his house, she sang, I wish I had you all alone, just the two of us. But now it's Annie's fault because, yeah, she yelled at him. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's probably her fault that uh, that sh- herself and uh, 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 what is uh, PJ Souls? Linda? Linda. Um, yeah, it's why I always think that's the wrong person because it sounds like such an old lady name to me. But it's <laughs> the 70s, so it was a young person name at the time. Uh, but, yeah, she's probably why... Uh, Linda and herself uh, were killed, most likely. Well, yeah, maybe this is why Annie dies first. Oh, yeah. She yelled at him. She yelled at him. He follows her car, so. Right. This is one. Linda says, totally. Uh, Michael, for locations, turns on to Meridian Avenue. Oh. And Annie says, I hate a guy with a car and no sense of humor. And in the novelization, Linda replies, that's the only kind you date. Oh, man, that's such a good line. I know. (laughs) I'm wondering where the novelization apparently came from the screenplay. But I guess whatever draft it was, they cut certain parts for the shooting script. Mm. So that line got lost. Man, that's a really fun line. They uh, they, there's this bit too where um, <laughs> when they start talking about like, so what's the plan tonight? And then <laughs> Annie has that line where she's like, "Oh great, I have three options. I can watch, I can watch the kids, listen to Linda fool around, or talk to you." And I'm like, "You're a bad friend." Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you want to talk to your friend? Why are you presenting that as if that's a bad choice? <laughs> It's funny, too, because I think the line is meant to be more sarcastic than it sounds. Uh She says it almost like she means it. Like, that is a bad option. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it almost makes you wonder, like, why is Lori friends with these people? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all they do is use her for stuff. Later, they both want to borrow clothes from her in the scene added for TV. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not the best friends, but I guess it's a small <laughs> enough town. They're the best she could get. Right. I guess that's true. And later when Lynn, when uh, Annie and Laurie are in the car together, Annie does seem nice. Mm-hmm. Like she's concerned about her interest in Ben Tramer and like that stuff. She takes it seriously. But yeah, right here, she does not seem like a good friend. No. Yeah. It's uh, it is definitely the way that she says it. I guess I could imagine a way you could say that where it wouldn't come off sounding so mean, but it just yeah. sounds so mean. Like it needs to be really obviously sarcastic. Like, oh yeah, I could do that. But no. Yeah. <laughs> now we also get the line: "It's only three houses down." So people who really know this movie, I will really deal with that being wrong later in minute thirty-six. I have a couple good arguments as why it's not wrong. Oh. But I'll deal with it when we get to those houses. We're not there now. All right. And 
second 41 we get the start of what is actually one of my favorite moments in this movie the girls walk past the camera uh, second 44 the piano kicks in the camera stays where it is and the girls keep walking and it's yeah. this cool shot where like we stay behind and just keep watching and it's like maybe we're waiting for Michael to come into the shot like his shoulder's gonna show up maybe mm-hmm. or it's at the same time kind of pulling us out of the movie and pushing us into it because we're stuck there on that street the movie's going away from us Right. And we just watch. But it's a lovely shot as they just walk away and they're still talking. You can't hear everything they say because the music and they're getting farther away. But like right. Annie says, I'm so mad. And Linda, when she say, here, savor that. And I think she hands her cigarette to Annie oh. as they're walking. And yeah, so I've like always nice taken moment. I've always taken this shot. Um, especially because of the because of the theme music coming in, um, it's always felt to me like we are Michael in a way, you yeah. know. At this point, I mean, it's we are about to watch a movie where you know these women are going to die or be put through hell, uh, and we're not going to do anything about it. I mean, it's a movie; we can't. We're just, but we are going to watch. We're going to watch it happen. Yep. Um, And so, you know, in that way, and I think Cabin in the Woods does a really good job of of sort of um, hammering that. That yeah, it's our fault that all of this is happening to these poor people. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, because we we dare pay the ticket and come to the movie and watch it. Um, As as I pointed uh, out in an earlier moment, the only time we really get Michael's point of view directly is when he's a little kid. Right. All the rest of the time, the camera is just kind of near him, but never right. his perspective. And it's because we've moved on. He grew up and become this crazy killer, maybe supernatural, maybe not. But we're still this audience waiting for him to kill people. We saw him kill one. We want to see him kill more. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now we just kind of wait. Yeah. We are uh, we're just as. Uh, <laughs> we're we're just as much of a villain of this film as the audience uh as yeah. michael the argument can definitely be made yeah and then the louder music kicks in mm-hmm. and the music the minute ends yeah it's a it's a tw- it's like a 20 second long shot yeah um it's the kind of thing that you would never see in a movie today. Yeah, they, they like, pass the camera at second 41. So, yeah, 20 yeah. seconds. And the shot continues into the next minute. Just right. Briefly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a nice. Some producer would thing. be like, you could cut that in five seconds. I mean, <laughs> yeah, why don't you we don't cut need to keep away it going. when they walk past, you know? <laughs> right. Do we need this shot at all? Could we just cut from the previous <laughs> shot? <laughs> Yeah, it's like she says, <laughs> watch the kids sleep, listen to Linda screw around or talk to you. Cut. But <laughs> right. No. But I think it works better because uh, we don't. We linger. We're taking our time because they don't. Lori should be getting a little paranoid by now. She's seen this guy a couple times. Right. But they don't know he's a killer. Right. Right. As well, and the, the thing that I like. S- yeah. 
Well, the the thing that I like about about uh, shots like these, these long lingering shots, especially in a film like this, and we're talking about how this film is so much more grounded than the sequels in this franchise. And uh, I think it, it really does come down to like shots like this make you feel that grounded element more because it feels more real. You know, like yeah. we are watching them walk all the way down the street like they would have to in the real world. Like this is how we get around as real people. We don't get to, you know, uh, elliptically edit our way across town, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you get um, a lot of that in this movie, these long takes that right. make it feel less like a movie. Right. Right. Um, but I do, every time I see a shot like this, I just, I just imagine John eventually saying cut and then them all having to run all the way down the street back to their to do it again, starting yeah. position again <laughs> for a second take. Since they didn't have much equipment for this movie, I wonder if they could just have the cameraman get in front of them again on the next street and keep going. <laughs> Filming in a different location. It doesn't matter. I don't know. But, but yeah, this, the scene is nice because the camera... I mean, it cuts for the car and stuff, but otherwise you can imagine them filming this whole block in one go, and then they just cut mm -hmm. it, cut away for the other stuff. So it's nice. Yeah. But that is all for Minute 23. Nice short one. Again, Scott, where can the listeners stalk you? Uh, you could stalk me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Scott Corelli. Uh, and then if you want to check out my website, duelinggenre.com, you can find all of the podcasts that we do over there. I'm not the host of all of them, but there are very, very many of them. Uh, and uh, some of the ones that I do host, um, I've been the longest running podcast of mine is The Doctor's Companion, which is a Doctor Who podcast, which I do with my co-hosts, Nick Jimenez and Cassandra Fredrickson. And uh, we talk about classic Doctor Who and new Who as the new episodes are airing. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we, we just, we love Doctor Who and we sort of, we, we tackle it in um, more of a, a sort of humorous take, a humorous, lighthearted take, especially with the classic Who stuff, because we just love how ridiculous and absurd and cheesy it can be. Uh, <laughs> and we just, we have a lot of fun with it. So uh, that one's a lot of fun. Check that out if you like Doctor Who. If you've never watched Classic Who before and you think, well, that's not going to be for me, obviously, because I don't know anything about that. Well, we do it in a way that hopefully it's accessible for people who uh, have never seen. If you have only seen New Who, uh, check out one of our Classic Who episodes because we do we write recaps for each episode uh, as we're doing it. We write and sort of um, perform little recaps with nice. some uh ambient sounds and things like that um so uh you know it, it's a it should be a, a pretty good uh, very accessible way for you to sort of um you know get the information and the legend and lore or whatever from uh those classic who episodes without actually having to watch them if that's not your thing so <laughs> um you know we try to make it accessible so that's the doctor's companion so check that out nice. at dueling genre or wherever you get your podcasts I actually watched some of the classic Who when Netflix still had them, but then they got oh, rid right. of them, yeah. so I couldn't keep watching. Yeah, yeah. BritBox has the uh, exclusivity, I think now. Now, listeners, if you were paying attention, we just got a cameo from the Hammering next door from Minute Eleven. 
<laughs> I hope and your pilot one thing and they're done <laughs> and the pilot yeah and the pilot yeah yeah I hope they're done it was like right as I start recording podcasts people moved out of the apartment next door so there's been work all the time anyway you can stalk us me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or join the Facebook listeners group 45 Lincoln Lane don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. Until next time. See ya.